0: Well, good morning to you, and we are in the book of 1 Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been looking at uh, this series on, uh, really on the power of the cross and God's wisdom. There's been many themes as we've gone down through uh, chapter 1 and now into chapter 2, and we've been looking at this uh, very important letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. And I say very important because in it, establishes uh, I think some very uh, simple orders of doctrine and practice and all kinds of different methodology exposed as well and some things that we can look at and borrow as well as we gather and and look at how things were patterned in the early church uh, and how Paul establishes different things. Well we were uh, looking at that and then uh, this This morning, I want to read from verses 6 to 9 in chapter 2, and then we're going to be in that study this morning. Paul writes, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. Our Lord, we open up your book again before us this morning, and we, we thank you we can Have it right here in our language. We thank you, Lord, it has been translated in so many languages around the world. We're mindful today that there are still yet people who have not heard of your message. They do not have your word in their own language. And I pray, Lord, that that effort would continue and that Christ might be exalted in our land today. Lord, many in our world would come to know him and understand who he really is. And we ask, Lord, now as we open up uh, this study and this uh, section of scripture that. You, as always, Lord, would open it to our hearts and minds and help us to receive it with gladness and in obedience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You uh, notice as we went down through this, uh, these few verses here, there's some words that stand out. And one is, again, that is the message that Paul had and what we have today is a message of wisdom. And that word wisdom appears. And, of course, in the ancient Greek world, that was a very important term. Uh, the Greek word Sophia meaning wisdom and it was something that was greatly sought after and certainly uh, in our own modern age and uh, arising out of western civilization was the foundation that was built on the Greek philosophers and and under really uh, the foundation of Christianity as well and so this topic of wisdom is was was huge and in the early days there were those that were going around of course and they were sort of on the speaking circuit and they would gather crowds and they would try to speak of the latest Um, philosophy the latest uh, knowledge that they had or passed on or what they might have come up with and uh, there were lots of uh, well-known people in that day. Uh, Paul writes so he says if it's not based upon God's wisdom it'll come to nothing and understanding that first of all the the world wisdom the world's wisdom uh, as was translated here in the New King James of this age and the word it means the world's uh, literally, it will come to nothing if it isn't answered with God at the front of it. And I, I we'll talk some more about that, of course, as we go down through it. And we see that to this very day. There are lots of things people are trying to explain, and they don't have an explanation, or they come up with some crazy, silly things. And they do that simply because... Uh, they don't have the wisdom of God, but we can and do. It is set before us in this book, the Bible, and I want to look at a couple things that Paul mentions today. And the first one there is found in verse eight, and he, and he says this, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now Paul says very clearly here that. If those people who were present at the time Jesus was crucified, if they had really known who he was, they wouldn't have crucified him. But they didn't know who he was. Uh, Some in willing ignorance. I think, of course, they had the scriptures. And and Jesus himself, as he told the Pharisees, he says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are there that testify of me. And he says that. And they, they are. The Bible testifies of Christ. In the book of Psalms, it says, Lo, I come in all, or the volume of the book, it is written of me. And that's exactly what the book that we have here before us, the preeminent book, which the word for that is Bible, meaning the preeminent book, because it is a book of all books. And it has God's message to us, and it presents Christ. And if you have the word of God today and access to it, and if you speak English, you have it. You have so many translations in English, we even can fight over it. Isn't that wonderful, huh? And there are, there are so many uh, people out there yet to have heard the word of God yet in their language. And I say that there's some, uh, they're getting down to about, uh, oh, somewhere around 2,000, a little less than that now, from what I understand, of known language groups that are out there. And there's uh, about 6,000 language groups altogether. So there's parts of Bibles translated, mostly New Testaments, in most of those. There's only about 700 language groups out there that have a complete Bible and there are about 2,000 that yet still need to be translated I'm thankful for those that you'll probably never even hear their names that uh, took the time some of them took 40 years 30 years you know Uh, things like that computers have helped speed up the process now because you can rapidly get information into a a project and compile it from different locations and everything and missionaries can continue it while they're on furlough and all those things but but basically you're looking at a minimum of about 20 years to take an unknown language uh, where the, the scriptures aren't translated and get a published bible in that language and that's going on today but there's lots of work still to be done, and we still need people that can do that. But I take it for granted too often, and the Bibles that I have, the translations, everything, they can collect dust real easily if I don't you know, get them down and read them and look at them. Anyways, that's, that's part of the knowledge that has been given to us by God giving us his word. It is his specific revelation to us, and I'm thankful that he has given it to us. But the world does not understand who Jesus is. And that's what Paul says here. They, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And, and that is the case to this very day. There are most people who are not believers would not understand really who Jesus is. I, I think back to my own life. I, I'm coming up on my 30th anniversary as a Christian. All right? uh, when I was 18 years old, I, I began to follow Christ. He, he revealed himself to me. I trusted him by faith. And I became a Christian. Uh, and that's how you become a Christian, by the way. You have to trust Him and believe on Him and turn from your sin in the process of that. You can't do both, okay? Take my sin and believe on Jesus because you know what? They're contrary to one another. And I remember turning and repenting from my sin and coming to Christ and and He became my Savior, my sin bearer, 30 years ago now. And I had lots of questions though before that. And I, I had lots of I seeming you know answers that I had as well there were lots of times I would stay up late at night with one of my friends who was a a Christian and uh, sometimes I'd go over to his house we spend the night there or whatever and and we'd get talking about religion oh that awful word right and begin talking about things and he always would bring me back to the Bible he didn't have all the answers but he he would point me to this book and he was uh, he challenged me to read it one day and I said well fine I will you know And as I began to read the scripture and the Bible was already had been shared with me various times I, I began to understand that these things are not complicated but they are things that you have to accept a lot of times by faith. In other words you have to understand trust the Lord on it and he will open up your eyes to those things. And you know what he's given us his word we have no excuse just based on that. And if Honestly, I had all kinds of ideas about Christ. I kind of looked at Jesus as uh, how I, I thought of him as a pacifist, you know, somebody who was just kind of the meek and mild Jesus that, uh, you know, people have made him into that, I think, so much. It's not that he is not one who preaches peace, but he didn't come as kind of a wet marshmallow, a wet noodle or something like that. You know, he was a very strong man. He was someone who, when he walked into a room, he could command you know people's minds in this, by his conversation and when I'm saying that you know he was somebody who stood up for what fully he uh, addressed and you know and all this and didn't back down and you say, well, of course he was God the Son I mean he could do that I 'm not like that, but you know what I found out that he was entirely different in the gospel accounts than what man had painted him as in my my view of things, and I see Jesus uh, entirely different all of a sudden as I read through his word, and I began to understand that he was someone who uh, said some controversial things, and sometimes that stands out. Boy, we live in a world where everybody's picking apart everybody's words, right? (laughs) And it's easy to say something controversial by accident or on purpose or whatever, but if you want a controversy, go read the words of Christ in the Bible, and and he, he hammers things home and did that. And there were those during that three-year ministry where he was publicly ministering uh, from just before he he was crucified. And they followed him because of the message. Some followed him because of the miracles he was doing. Some followed him because he was an interesting character, perhaps. But when it came down to it, and a decision was to be made among the Hebrew people and those present, the Gentiles as well, the Romans who occupied that land, they said, crucify him, crucify him. Paul says, and, and Paul would have been in that category, by the way, and I was too, prior to knowing Christ. And Paul says, had they known who he was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You think of that, a man like Pontius Pilate, uh, and you read of him in the Gospel accounts, that's the most thorough record we have of Pontius Pilate, who was the uh, basically the... Uh, governor of that region he was appointed under the caesars and he was in control of the civil affairs of palestina all right palestine in that area judea it was still named judea under the time of uh, the romans during pontius pilate's uh, time later on after 70 a.d they removed the name judea off their maps and they put palestina and never, never even put it because it was defeated. And they commemorated the defeat of the Jews and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And uh, that's a big event in world history. And that plays into today's political climate still today. There are majority of people in the world that say Israel should not have a place on the map, all right? They should not have a land because they never should have had it in the beginning and all that and I say that go back to your history it's very clear and that'll come I'm going to bring that up later too the world doesn't understand who Jesus is Pilate didn't understand I mean Pilate I think he he wanted to you read through the gospel records and and he asks the question what is truth right boy that's a good question that's a loaded question the Greeks were asking the same thing what is truth Paul says it's, it's wrapped up in the wisdom of God. It's found in Jesus Christ, who is to us or for us, wisdom. He is the ultimate wisdom. In him, you will find the answers to the deepest things that everybody longs for, right? I've, I've said them before, the big questions that everybody on the earth has. Where did I come from? All right? Why am I here? Is there purpose? Why do evil things happen? And what happens after I die? And those basic questions are in every worldview, And man attempts to answer those somehow. And he'll come up with great theories and, and write all kinds of books and even things he calls scripture. And he'll say, this is the answer and all that. But let me back up and just say, the only true answers and everything that is wrapped up in there is found in Christ. He's the one. And he's given us his book. Pilate didn't understand who Jesus was when it came down to it. And they said, uh, he said, should I release Barabbas or should I release Jesus? The crowd shouted Barabbas and he washed his hands of the whole matter and was greatly bothered. And, and that, you know, we understand that just by his action. Uh, Yet it was solely upon him to make that decision, Uh, not alone, but solely on him to make the final decision. Uh, We don't know for sure what happened to Pilate. He was removed from his position eventually, but some historians, and these are secular historians uh, in that era, claim that he actually lost his mind, all right, as a younger man. In in about 37 to 38 AD, AD, um, he committed suicide, and some speculate that he was greatly troubled over what he had done. Over those things. Don't know for sure. I just know this that uh, sometimes we come to that knowledge of who Jesus is, but we still, for the convenience of the moment, for the convenience of this life, we say, No, I won't do it. I don't want to know anymore. And I'll plug my ears, so to speak. And that's what people do too often. The old spiritual song puts it this way, and we sing this sometimes at Christmas. Sweet little Jesus boy, they made you be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child, didn't know who you was, didn't know you came to save us, Lord. Take, to take our sins away, our eyes was blind, we couldn't see, we didn't know who you was. And we hear that song and that is so true. So often in our sin and in our own world that we live in, this course of this world, everything, it hides us, and we are blinded to the fact of who Jesus is. Paul points that out. 2 Corinthians, this passage here, one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's a solemn reminder to every one of us who is entrusted with ministry, all right? And and we're corporately entrusted with this ministry here at Madawaska Gospel Church. Well, look what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God, that's small g-o-d, Satan, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants, for Jesus' sake." for it is the god who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of god and not of us i honestly think that would make a wonderful church covenant just take that right out of the scriptures and put it right there you know what i mean because it really explains it all you and I have been entrusted with a ministry you say what ministry I'm not a pastor I'm not a preacher I'm not someone you're entrusted with the gospel and we're entrusted to get that out to others and even those in your own household start there those who are your neighbors whatever a friend someone share the gospel with them do that and you know what The treasure is in earthen vessels, broken vessels, right? Uh, Vessels that are marred and scarred and all that. That's what that earthen vessel picture is really. And yet it's not because he wants us to be glorified. He wants the glory. He wants the excellence of that. And that's why God chose weak things, right? We talked about that in 1 Corinthians 1 when we looked at those things and we went down through it. But The world, by wisdom, did not know Christ, did not know God in their own worldly wisdom, and they can't. And yet we have here in this section and also throughout the Scripture, the fact that God shone into our hearts. He revealed Himself, and that's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what He does. God the Holy Spirit is able to illuminate, to shine His Word, All right, God's Word, into our minds that we understand these things differently. And I can say, before I knew the Lord, before I became a Christian, back in May of 1988, uh, I can tell you a lot of things just seemed strange to me. You know, why would people want to sing those kind of songs? Why would they want to read their Bible? I mean, after all, it's kind of a, I guess, a good book, but you know, it's boring, right? Well, I picked up the Bible and began to read and thought, wow, right full of stuff, all kinds of good stuff. It's exciting when you hear of people testifying of that and and they get into the Bible and they begin to understand some of the deep things of God and and nobody's telling them that necessarily no pastor over their shoulder or you know a friend or they're just the Lord's teaching them through his word precept upon precept. That's where it really is and and that's what we need to be engaged in, okay? Multiple ways. Back up to this text we were looking at, we find out that the God of this world has blinded the minds. It says in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 4 here, it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Do you know that Satan is very much at work today as he has right from the very beginning, from the first man and woman, and he's attempted to blind the mind. That's where the battleground is today. People will tell you that on all kinds of different topics. They'll say, it really all begins up here, and it does. Satan knows that. He knows if he can get a hold of your mind and just get you to have a a, a worldview or a philosophy that's built upon something other than God, and you—if he can just do that, he's got you. Doesn't matter what direction you go in, how crazy you run off, or whatever. You know what? He just—even if he says, "Hey, I'm going to be somebody who doesn't believe anything," all right? Guess what? He's won. He's won because he's blinded the mind. And there's lots of people who are walking around, they're spiritually blinded. They're not physically blind. They they still can walk and see and physically, and they can even think and they can reason and they can come up with some amazing thoughts and all that, write some great books, but you know what? If it's again not built on the wisdom of Christ, it's for nothing. It's empty. It says whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. You know, if you find yourself and you are in a state of unbelief, you're actually in a state of blindness, all right? Some have said, well, seeing is believing. But in, when it comes to Christ, it's actually the other way around. Believing is seeing. You see, there are things that we know in this world or things that we can, can make assumptions on and things like that that we have never seen, okay, or never handled. A big one, of course, is creation itself, Right? Uh, were you there when things were created, or where things were formed, or however you want to address it? No, I wasn't there either. Uh, all I know is that my mother had a baby. That's what they told me. You know, that's it. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: that those questions are answered. That's a big, a big question, right? Where did I come from? Where did all this come from? How did it get here? And and people will be out there. Uh, well, you know. Uh, I, I believe it came this way, and I mean and you look at different philosophies out there of uh, you know, worldviews, religions, whatever that try to answer that, some of them answer it spiritually. you know they, they say, Oh well, you know, the moon and the sun they got together, and they had the offspring called the earth, and now let 's worship the earth, and you say that's that 's kind of crazy, and guess what there's all kinds of people that believe that all right believe that kind of that kind of thing or or they may come across in a more much more scientific realm. Uh, And I say that, you know, looking at the whole issue of evolution as that takes place. And uh, I'm well versed in those things. I mean, I'm not an expert in that, but I read a lot of that stuff. And I don't mind reading secular um, science reports, things like that, to learn about things. Because it doesn't shake my faith. Because I can go back and say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I know he did. And that's the answer to that. He doesn't tell me how he did all that. I do know that he created and he did so with his spoken word. He's so powerful, he can speak something into existence. I can't. But man goes along and says, well, no, it's got to be far more complicated than that. And, you know, there was inorganic matter and, you know, everything collected into, you know, eventually into forming like the planets and everything put in, you know, order somewhat. And all that came together. And then somehow maybe a comet hit the earth or something happened there. And and through a, a, a traumatic event of some sort, inorganic matter became organic matter. Which is the building blocks of life now it's not life yet, but then so then somehow somehow, and they, they say maybe it was you know some electrical discharge or whatever. I mean you can they, this is all out there, and people cling to this, that somehow that or inorganic matter went to organic matter to basic molecules of life, DNA, in some whatever primordial swamp, all right, And I'm not talking about d c. just so you know I know, but I, uh, and uh, yeah i I say that because you know what we we believe that, and then that all just came together continually building upon itself into something more advanced to where you get something extremely complex, like man, and I say complex, woman is even more complex, but you know we, we are we come to this the basic element of life, like the cell, the basic cell, is absolutely i mean blow your mind when you when you study. DNA, and then you study the RNA. Those are the things that trigger DNA to do different things, to you know, trigger baldness and everything else. And uh, and you say, well, where did all that come from? It just happened. No, it didn't. It didn't. God definitely uh, put things together. And I find it takes much more faith to believe that randomly all this generated together to come up with what we're doing and why are we sitting here today, you know, all this. And and I can say that just logically. it just it's a huge leap of faith to believe all that came together without the use of a deity of some sort, right, minimally. Well, I know who he is, and I know what he did. Uh, I have a matrushka doll here. Now, if you, Vinnie and Karen would remember these, uh... The uh, little Matryoshka dolls there you go to Russia or Ukraine or any place like that, and they have these little these little you know dolls that you can, you can uh, click on I have a picture over here of them, and you know those kind of things, and you have one inside the other inside the other, and all of that and uh, I bought this in a place called Andreskyspusk, a place of Saint Andrew when the disciple Andrew went to Kiev, Ukraine. He uh, supposedly, at least that's what tradition says, he was he went there, preached the gospel. People were converted in the first century. Uh, he baptized them there in the Dnieper River. And there's a, a, a steep path that, that's where people would gather at the Dnieper River. And today, they don't baptize people there, but they have, they sell all kinds of little trinkets and things on that. Andreesky because uh, the descent of Andrew. And... Um, Anyways, uh, I went there and I bought this for a couple dollars or whatever. And I look at this and somebody says, well, that looks like evolution, right? I mean, it started here, right? Let I me mean, move him up so you can see them. And, and then it must have evolved into this one, this one, this one. Eventually you get the king, I guess, or whoever that is. I'm not sure. My son said it looks like me. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll leave it like that but they have these little dolls like that, and, and they'll make, you know, somebody will, an artist will uh, make them into, sometimes they'll, they'll take, you take a picture of your family, and come back next week, and you'll have these made, you know, of your family, or you'll have uh, the, the presidents, you know, right back, or uh, uh, they had all kinds of different ones, you know, sometimes funny ones, whatever, but they had these, and the traditional ones are like those, and when you look at that, you say, well, Obviously, somebody had to carve that. They had to take, first of all, the wood and find the right pieces of wood, carve that. They had to take the meticulous time to paint each and every one of those. And again, making sure they're the right shape, size, everything, so they can fit one in another. And then some you know, crazy, crazy American will come along and buy them you know, uh, and do that. But I could tell you this. I could take just these four things, okay? And this is not a very complicated one. I could put them down in a box here and shake them around, shake them around, shake them around. I could do that forever, and they'll never come together. And they'll never come together like this, painted and all glossy. Matter of fact, if I did that, they would actually destroy themselves eventually, right? Just bumping along, everything would just go back to a bunch of atoms (laughs) in the bottom of a box, and it would go up the chimney if you lit a fire under it. You know man attempts to explain his origin through complicated theories that really don't even hold up in the basic of logic. And yet, God says, I framed the worlds. And he did so by speaking them. And he said, let there be light. There was light. And Paul uses that analogy in Second Corinthians 4. Just as he, he shone light into this world, he has shown spiritual light, that's the contrast, into your hearts. That's the The mind. And you realize that, you say, well, why is it that some some evolutionist out there, some scientist, some cosmologist, somebody like that, that says, and, and those aren't all bad words or anything, those are just titles people ascribe to themselves. They go to great lengths to try to explain our origin, and they seem to get it so wrong, or at least I think they do. And you say, because their mind is blind. That's the simple answer. There are people that can go around and... And they see everything in the world, they think, but they're blinded to the reality that there is a creator. You wouldn't go out onto the street corner, by the way, and if you saw a blind man sitting there, you'd say, you, you dumb blind man. Why are you out here? Come on, you idiot. Come on, get out of the way. You know, I hope you wouldn't do that. But you know, that's sometimes how we treat unsaved people. Oh, you, you dummy, you have no nothing. You have nothing. You, know, you listen. You won't win people by their argument like that, but you will win them by presenting Jesus Christ. And as they come to the knowledge of Christ, those other things fall into place. I, just a practical observation. Boy, i got to run, run along here. <clears throat> the world doesn't understand. They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand who we are. And that's my point here with these don't understand they don't understand the specific things of God's plan do you know that God has a plan and that's that other question that comes up you know where did I come from well I answered that I hope anyways you might not agree with me but that's what the Bible says and and I accept that by faith all right and, and it, I say God is far greater creator and sustainer of things than will ever be okay and I understand certain aspects of that we get it wrong our origin but there's purpose to our life you realize that that we are these earthen vessels all right in other words made out of the elements of the earth and that's what we are and you we are put together fitted together knit together however you want to say those biblical terms and God does that breathes breathe life into mankind and He's given us all this, and now we have the opportunity to explain how and why I exist, and what the Bible says, for his glory. Very simply, for his glory. So that I can look at, you know, the, the Winter Olympics are coming up, right? And tonight, the Super Bowl. And and when you see Tom Brady throw a football, right? Wow. And you just say, how did that guy do that? How did, how did he, how is a, a guy like that? Now, you might not like, I think, if you're not a Pats fan, it's okay, but we'll get over it. Uh, but listen, he can throw a football. I couldn't even begin to think, you know, how to throw that and, and get that into the right, you know, right here while a guy's running as fast as he can this way or whatever. I mean, all that. And you say, wow, that's great. Can I just let you in know a secret that God fitted that band together, you know, fitted me together, fitted you together with strengths, weaknesses, whatever else. But we are earthen vessels. And without the Lord involved in things, we wouldn't have a breath. We wouldn't have air. We wouldn't have anything in the universe, okay? All right, I'm waxing too deep here, I can tell. Uh, I tried bringing in the sports, but, you know, when we. But, uh, but think about this, you know, when we do this. God is a God who's given us his word. He's given us his prophetic word. We even know how things will turn out here eventually, okay? Uh, can tell you that it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It will get better eventually, but it's, it's going to get worse first. That's what the scripture reveals to us. Um, there'll be a great time of tribulation. Uh, there, there was even a time when, for centuries, almost 2,000 years, there were people that believed, like I said, that Israel should not exist. But the Bible, we've been studying uh, the book of Romans, and we've been in Romans chapter 10 and 11 the last few, uh, many, probably a couple months now and we've been talking about the nation of israel we've been talking about god's plan for israel and and paul talks about there has god given up on his people and the answer is certainly not and there is a prophetic word in scripture that showed us that the bible or showed us that the bible was true but that israel had a place and has a place in the land and you realize in the 19th century there were christians who who jumped on that and said the jew has no homeland but the bible says he should. And there was a, a movement called Christian Zionism that was formed, and a Zionist is someone who believes that the Jews should have a land, a holy land, Zion. And there's Jewish Zionists, and there's Christian Zionists, and others, but, but there were many people that said, no, that's not the case, it shouldn't be. There was a man, uh, his name was William Blackstone. He lived from 1841 to 1935, and if you look him up, uh, he His title is Evangelist and Christian Zionist, and he's known as the, at the time of his death in 1935, he was known as the father of Zionism. Very interesting. And back in the 1890s, he was contemporary with like D.L. Moody and others, and he lived in Chicago, by the way. Uh, Ironically, his house um, was in what is today the parking lot of Calvary Memorial Church, where my friend ray pritchard pastored for years that's where uh this guy william blackstone lived and william blackstone was an interesting character he was considered he called himself a layman i don't like that term always but but that's what he called himself in other words he wasn't trained necessarily in scripture but he wrote several books on prophecy they were bestsellers because he i think he got a lot of it right you know in that one of the big aspects of what william blackstone promoted was that the jews should have a homeland and israel because the Bible says that he should. And so he went and he had uh, over 450-some-odd Christian leaders in the United States sign a petition, and then he hand-delivered it to Benjamin Harris, president of that day of the United States, and and there began a political movement at that point to institute a, a homeland for the Jew, which did not come to fruition until after Blackstone died in, of course, 1948. It was after World War II and the dividing up of that 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 things fell into place for that. But all that groundwork, much of it was laid in the 19th century, in the latter part, and really from about 1870 on up. And there was a great movement of that. There was a great movement of prayer associated with that. I've mentioned that in Corey Ten Boone's book, talks about a prayer meeting that started in Holland a hundred years before... Uh, all the events of World War II unfolded where Christians met every week to pray for Israel and it hadn't yet existed in that. All that is a very controversial thing, still controversial, all right? If you haven't followed the news in the last couple of months, there was a big decision made to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and the, half the world's going, what are we doing? Oh, we can't do that. Well, guess what? The Bible says that that, that is the capital of Israel, okay? Uh, I'm not weighing in on politics on that, but that's bottom line I'd stand with what the word of God says okay all right move on William Blackstone was uh, a man that was very influential in his day and yet when he was asked about what he was what do you want us to call you for a title he didn't go by reverend he didn't go by pastor he wasn't he wasn't a pastor he was a, a member of a local church but he called himself God's little errand boy that's what he was And yet, it was discovered after he died that he gave over $6 million to missions in his life. This was in the 1800s and early 1900s. He died in the Depression, all right? $6 million. I don't know how much that would be today, but a lot, a lot more than that, to missions. And I say that because, you know, you just... This is what happens when, when God gets a hold of somebody. <clears throat> he gives them insight, wisdom that is revolutionary, that can change literally the world, can change the world map and encourage people to know who the the Lord is, you know. And he started a mission, by the way, that was to reach the Hebrew people and it's still in existence to this day. Uh, the world doesn't know who he is. The, the world doesn't know who we are, you know, as people. He doesn't doesn't know because by by wisdom uh, that's not or by the world's wisdom you can't find that out <clears throat> verse uh, 9 here this is the way this section ends and I love this Paul writes he says but as, but as it is written i has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him and there's a quotation there, essentially what's being quoted there is uh, from Isaiah, and it's actually two different sections in Isaiah put together. The Lord can do that, and there's nothing wrong with that, because he's quoting it, it appropriately. Uh, Isaiah 64 says this, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Uh, Isaiah makes a very interesting statement, some 700 years before Christ and before Paul's writing First Corinthians, and he's saying, You don't hear the deep things by hearing of the ear. There's a different kind of hearing. Nor has the eye seen anything or any God besides you. All right? You will not come up with the knowledge of the Holy One by just the eye or the ear, physically. You who acts for or who acts for the one who waits for him. And then in Isaiah 65, 17, he says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And what I want to go back, those are the quotes that are found here in 1 Corinthians 2. You have here uh, a statement of our destiny. There's that other answer, right? Another question that's out there. Where am I I going? If there's purpose, and my purpose here right now is to glorify God, and, and he's the one that made us and sustains everything and all that, the other thing is where am I going? you know and i didn't answer the big issue of evil okay that's the other thing because people say you know where did evil come from well that's found in the fall all right of man in sin in the garden where satan blinded the mind okay and sin entered into the picture there and because blind men and women and boys and girls grope in darkness spiritually they do evil things and evil will visit us because of that and that's satanic in origin uh anyways that answers that but destiny that's the last big question right where am i going for the believer there's a place that is prepared for us that i has not seen or ear heard and it's better than anything you've ever seen or heard i'll tell you there's some beautiful sights in our world gorgeously i mean i look at those those uh pictures that um anonymous uh liz took and uh and, and you know you look at a sunflower you say wow that's right here in our valley you know and uh, sometimes you drive up the St. John Valley I don't care what time of year you you cannot stop but you know see potato blossoms or whatever and there's lots of other pictures these are just a couple of the many there's all kinds of variety of stuff there out on those cards and and I say that because we live in a beautiful world Yeah, it's a fallen world and you realize God is preparing us a place that the eye has never seen or the ear has ever heard a place far more glorious a place more beautiful than anything we could imagine or even think the book of revelation chapter 21 and 22 lets us in a little bit on that with a place called new jerusalem it's the new heaven it's really the place where believers will, will reside forever it is a place in john 14 where jesus says i go to prepare a place for you and he's promised to come and receive us again you know and if you place your faith in him, that is a place reserved for you. All right? That he's prepared. And I can't wait. Someday that's going to be a wonderful thing. I received some troubling news this week from a, a friend and former co worker and dear friend of mine, uh, named Calvin Hood. Some of you may know Calvin. Uh, he was teacher at MBBI for years. We worked at camp together several summers as he was directing and I was directing camp various years. And uh, and he's been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, he's about 56, I guess, now. And, quite frankly, it's, not, it's inoperable. And he's probably going to face his last year on earth here. But he's facing it with joy. It's going to be an awful way to, to face death, I think. And yet god has prepared a place for us and i i I, my heart was heavy this week when i heard that news and i'm realizing that this world i'm in is vanishing away and if you put all your your faith and trust in this place and in this body of your own or whatever it's going to come to nothing matter of fact it's going to come to worse than nothing it's going to come to judgment but you need only cast yourself before the lord jesus that's it and say, Lord, I I believe that you came and you died for my sins, according to what the Bible says. And Lord, I know you, they buried you and you rose again, victorious over sin and death. If you will believe that in your heart and rest on him in faith, he's promised to save you and he's promised to give you a place reserved in heaven. What a wonderful time that'll be. Father, we thank you for the word of God and as we, again, are just mindful this morning of how good you are to us i ask god that you would help us to just appreciate the fact that you have shined your light into our world lord it was not comfortable when that light revealed my sin and yet lord it is the light of your glorious gospel and we need only turn to you for forgiveness And so I pray to that end even now, Lord, if there's anybody here that's not placed their faith in you, that they would do so today before they even leave here today. Calling out in their hearts, in faith, for forgiveness and for trust in you. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Again, thank you for giving it to us in our own language and help us to understand these things. And we thank you for this book of 1 Corinthians even. And continue just to open our hearts and minds to receive your word as we hear it and that we might share it with others also. In Jesus' name, amen.